Hello everyone and welcome to Celtic Preacher Podcast 130 and today we're going to be looking at the concept of waiting on God. Now waiting isn't doing nothing. It's a it's a kind of a watchful alert waiting. Um, waiting isn't about not getting around to doing something. Like it's nothing to do with pro- procrastination. This is a choice. And it's a choice made before you act, before you speak, before you move ahead. It's about having all sorts of options, right? You have in your mind you have all sorts of options, you have all sorts of ways or ideas how to deal with, uh, say, a, a difficult person or an awkward situation. You've got all sorts of ideas how to solve a problem. Or you're thinking about giving someone some advice or having a talk with someone and you you know what you want to do, but but you have this little subtle check in your spirit. You have this internal check that's giving you pause, a little check internally that's a hesitancy. And you're thinking, you know, I, I don't think I should move ahead on this. Well, that's what the, you know, this whole idea of waiting on God is actually found throughout the entire scripture. The Old Testament, the New Testament, You'll come across stories, you'll come across narratives every so often where someone is about to do something and then they have this, they listen to this internal check. The psalmist, for example, Old Testament says, my soul waits on the Lord more than a watchman waits for the morning. So it's like this active waiting not going to do something. I have a hesitancy and I'm going to listen to that hesitancy. Before I do anything, I'm just going to wait. Now, it's very difficult to do this. It's not easy because uh, for many of us anyway, for me certainly, but for many of us, you don't like to wait. I mean, you'd rather move ahead and do something. You'd rather move ahead and do anything rather than just sort of wait because it just seems to be a hard thing to rein in the tendency to go ahead and do something. And in fact, it's so difficult to listen to that still small voice that we can end up moving ahead and making decisions and taking a particular direction and end up regretting it because we didn't tap into a deeper wisdom. And that's really what waiting's about. It's about learning how to tap into a deeper wisdom. Now, there's lots of ways to talk about that in the scripture. We can talk about it as in waiting on the spirit or walking in the spirit. I mean, really, the reason we're waiting is is because we want clarity. We want clarity. We want an, uh, like an assure, assurance that this is the right direction. 
So that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. And our text is, it's called the Ascension, and it's 40 days after Easter. And the Jesus, once dead, now resurrected, been with the disciples 40 days, leaves. In other words, he's not going to walk around with them and teach them in the same way as he did before. He's going back to where he came from. And before he leaves, he says to the students, I want you to wait here. I want you to stay. I don't want you to leave Jerusalem. He says, because what's going to happen is, not many days from now, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, baptism just means immersed. You're going to be immersed in the Holy Spirit, which is really, uh, well, I suppose it's really about the energy of God because, you know, when it's translated, when, when the word spirit is translated in the book of Acts, it is the word is dunamis, which means power. So there's something about spirit, power, energy. It's all sort of the same thing. Wait, you're going to need something here. You're going to need the power or the energy of God before you do anything. So wait for this Holy Spirit. So Jesus tells them that they have to wait and they come up with this interesting question. This is from Acts 1 verse 6. They say, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel at this time? Is this when you're basically going to change the world? <laughs> Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he replied, Jesus, you don't get to know the time. What you need, what you will get is, you will be receiving the Holy Spirit so that you can be my witnesses to the ends of the world. That's the line, Acts 1.6. Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he replied, you don't get to know the time. What you get is the Holy Spirit so you can be my witnesses to the ends of the world. Now, it's like the disciples have this goal and it's a political goal. I mean, we think there's a lot of politics today. There was a lot of politics 2,000 years ago. Yeah, it was, it was very similar. The disciples have this political goal. And the, polit the political goal is, Jesus, we want to get our land back. We want our freedom. We want to get rid of those Romans that have come in and taken over Israel. It's a big deal to them. It's very important to them. The students have spent a lifetime trying to figure out how this can come about. Right? They want their land back. So imagine you've spent a lifetime pursuing something for yourself and your loved ones, your family. And Jesus says, mm, that's not the primary agenda. What you need is the Holy Spirit. Now, they don't even know exactly what that is. Not for sure. They don't even know who the Holy... Well, they have an idea that it's the energy of God, but... It, this is all new stuff when he says, wait for the Holy Spirit. It's like, well, why? You know? The, 
What's, what's, why do we have to wait for this Holy Spirit? The disciples aren't exactly on the same page as Jesus. The disciples want political change, like so many people in our world today, right? The disciples think this is the answer to everything. They want political change. And are you going to, is this the time you're, you're going to do something, Jesus? Is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Nowadays, it would be us saying, are you actually going to do something about this mess in the world? Is this the time, we would say today, is this the time you're going to in, really intervene here and change things and do things and stop people from doing things they shouldn't be doing? And this reply that Jesus says really worth noting for us because he says, that's not for you to know. You don't get the answer to that. You don't get the answer to that. In other words, the questions the disciples have are the wrong questions in a way. They're looking at life in the wrong way. They're saying, when are, when are you going to do something about this mess? When are you going to do something about this? Jesus is saying, I'm leaving. You need to wait until you're empowered. You need to wait until you get what you need to do the task at hand. It's, it's really indirectly saying you can forget about defeating the Romans at this point because that's not your primary task. It's not that it's not important. It's just not the first task. It's like he's saying you can forget about not getting your land back. That's a secondary concern. It's not that it's not important. It's just that God's Agenda is different. God goes about things in a different way. He says, I want you to wait because you're going to be my witnesses. I want you to wait because you need to be empowered for this. You're asking me when I'm going to restore your country and I'm telling you to wait for power so that you can go on with the task of restoring not just Israel, not just ancient Israel. I want you to wait for the Spirit so that you can go on with the task of restoring yourself. You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be my hands and my feet in this world. And it's not just to Israel, it's to the entire World, It's not just a local thing here. And then before he, before they can even ask any more questions, he leaves. He just goes. He's taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him from sight. It's known as the Ascension. So there they are, they're left behind and they're looking up at the sky and Luke tells us that they wait with joy, which is quite remarkable, really. How can they wait with joy? They're waiting on something they don't even know what they're waiting on. He's told them they're not going to get their first agenda taken care of immediately and they wait with joy. It's like, how can, you, how can they even do that? I wonder if they're learning, you know, I wonder if they're learning now, because it's been two or three months now since Easter. I wonder if they're, they're getting to the point where they're thinking, you know, 
When he, when he says it, he does it. When he says it, he does it. It's like, what if God really is in control? What if, what if every promise is true? What if he does come through? What if he really does know what he's doing? What if he really does have a plan? It's like the disciples would say, yeah, that's what we're thinking. He said, wait until I give you the next step. Well, we're, we're waiting. And you know what? We're going to wait in anticipation and we're going to be alert because we're finding out that he says what he does. We're finding out that when he speaks, he says what he does. And if he says wait, we're going to wait. If he says not this way, that way, even if we don't understand it, it's like, okay, because we're finding out that this Jesus knows what he's doing. I mean, this is the one who overcame death, right? This is the one who was there from the foundations of the world. It's like, if he says go, we go. And we don't get in the way of what he's doing. I think these first believers would say, you know, don't get all caught up in the wrong stuff like we did. You know? Don't question and worry and fret like we did. It's What a waste of energy and time. The disciples would say, we fought him every step of the way. When he said he was going to Jerusalem, we said, oh, you can't do that. When he said he was going to die and he would die on the cross, we said, that would be the worst thing in the world. That'll end the movement. That's, that's the worst thing. And then we're surprised by the resurrection. And now he's saying he's going to send the Holy Spirit. Hey, we are learning that we don't really understand him, but everything he says is true. And if he says, I have a purpose for you here, and that purpose, by the way, wasn't just for a few of those early believers 2,000 years ago. That purpose is for every follower. One of the last things Jesus said was, now, you're all going to be my witnesses, meaning... I want you to pass on what you have found to be true because you are my hands and my feet and my voice in this world. I think that's why the church is called the body of Christ. It's like you are my hands and my feet and my voice. And if, and if we're faithful doing just our little part, and I know this is the thing, we think that, you know, if I just do my little part, it just seems like a drop in the ocean. And it is, in some way, a drop in the ocean. But our little drop in the ocean infused with this energy of God, this Holy Spirit, that's the life changer. That's the world changer. If we're faithful doing what we are called to do in this world, And then the Spirit comes along and helps us and guides us. It actually changes the entire world for good. It restores the entire world. See, this is Jesus' agenda. It's not just for, you know, ancient Jerusalem or 21st century North America or, I mean, the... The plan, the, the plan of redemption and change is much, much larger than our sm usually small focus, right? 
2,000 years later, you might say, well, the world's still a mess. There's still so much suffering. There's still so much violence. There's still so much pain. But here's the thing. There are countless, countless faithful people bringing a loving, kind, thoughtful, healing presence into this world. A life-changing presence into this world. It's like, God, why don't you do something? Why don't you bring some changes? Why don't you stop this? Why don't you intervene? It's like, my followers have everything they need to change the world. Think about who encouraged you this week. Think about who brought you hope. Think about who brought you a little joy. Think about what turned you around and gave you a little hope. It's like, yeah, well, who authored that? And where did that come from? Yeah, embodied presence. Oh, yeah, it's all the realm of the Spirit. It's all the realm of the Holy Spirit, known as sometimes the Comforter, known as sometimes dunamis power, a powerful life changer, a world changer, known as healer, the one who gives us everything we need. It's amazing when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, this, this Jesus teaches us the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us, which is kind of a an amazing thing to ponder. No wonder the Apostle Paul says, pray for the Spirit. Feel When you're feeling down, when you're feeling inadequate, when you're feeling weak, Paul would say, Apostle Paul would say, ask for a filling of the Holy Spirit. That's the one that changes your life. That's the one that changes our world. That's the one that makes the difference. So there's the prayer. There's the prayer. There's the heart cry. When we're, when we're waiting on God, when we feel that check, that nudge, we're actually waiting on the Spirit to come, give us the clarity, give us the strength, give us the power, whatever we need to move ahead in the strength of God. Well, there's the prayer. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit and fill us. Thank you for joining me. You have been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week. Next week, another episode and we're going to be talking about the wonderful power of the Holy Spirit.